Elite Expert Insider, the podcast that educates, inspires, and motivates you to take your business and life to the next level. We would like to thank Audible for supporting Elite Expert Insider. Please go to the link bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. That's bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. And get a free 30-day trial to show your support. Thank you, Audible. Now to Elite Expert Insider for conversations with industry leaders. Hey, Melanie Johnson with another great podcast along with Jen Foster today. All right, we are going to have an inside look on how to grow your business, how to get rich. You've heard that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Uh, Well, we have one of the authors here today. And I don't even, you got to stay and listen because you're going to learn so much to grow your business, inside tips on women's business. I'm super, super excited. My kids are a huge fan. They play the game that she create, help co-create. But first I want to tell you, if you love this podcast, please let us know, share it. Um, and subscribe to us. We would love to hear from you as well. And today, I just got to share a note. I was watching the Today Show this morning, and they talked about an article on the Wall Street Journal that you should write your memoir even if nobody else reads it, and how important that is, that it does something to you when you write your life story down. So we have a great little book that we want you to buy. It's How to Tell and Write Your Life Story. It has 50 plus questions in it, so you can write your memoir just like the Wall Street Journal said, and just like the Today Show said, they said it was such a great thing that you should do, thought it was a fabulous idea. So you can find this book on Amazon, and we would love for you to get it to help you write your memoir. So Sharon, oh my gosh, I'm just so honored. We are honored that you are here today. Um, Tell us a little bit about your journey just starting to write the books. I heard you tell this, and I just thought it was phenomenal, because people don't know how to get started. How did the whole journey of Rich Dad, Poor Dad start? Well, it's been, obviously, I've been around quite a, quite a few years. I started my career as a CPA and um, about the ripe old age of 25, decided if I was going to work that hard, I should work for myself. So I started as an entrepreneur and our own children didn't like to read. So I helped grow the talking children's book industry into a global brand back in the late 80s. And in the early 90s, we um, moved to Arizona, sold that company and um my oldest son went off to college and got into credit card debt. So that was in December of 1992. And that's really when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial education and financial literacy because I had taught him about money. Um, There just weren't credit cards when I went to college. And so he got to college and there were all these tables Mm of um, free pizza, free money, free t-shirt, free money. And um, unbeknownst to us, he ended up getting credit cards and had a really good time his first semester. And then came, home at, came home at holiday time and said, oops, I need a little help. I'm $2,500 in credit card debt. So I was pretty angry with him, but I was more angry with myself because I didn't, you know, we just, I have, I love my credit cards, but we pay them off every month. So it was something that I realized not just him, but many young people of his generation were having the same problems. So they were literally in deep debt before they ever got out of college. And so, and that's even worse today with college loans. We were able to, when I worked with the president, um, with President Bush, we were able to get the law passed that um, credit card companies can no longer solicit children on campus. But that's just a small step in in my, my goal to help us educate our young people towards financial education. But that was 92, I started working with schools and then fast forward a few years, my husband, um, had been interviewed 
and was hired by um, Robert Kiyosaki to get him some education about a game that he wanted to create. And my husband knew my background and knew my passion for financial education. So I actually attended the first beta test of the cash flow game when the game was drawn on a piece of butcher block paper and um, the uh, playing pieces were different caliber bullets. So definitely an interesting first impression. But uh, I loved it. I was the only one that got out of the rat race. And so I volunteered to support them on a, and help them commercialize the game. And then during that process, you know, he wanted to charge $200 for the game. And I said, you know, if you're going to do that, let's see, maybe you should have a brochure that talks about the philosophy behind the game. And that brochure was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Most people don't realize that, but we really didn't write Rich Dad, Poor Dad, thinking it was going to be a blockbuster in its own right. In fact, we thought our brand was cash flow. Right. And the world, you know, three, several books into it, the world said, no, no, your brand is Rich Dad. So you, know, you have to listen to your customers. And the one book became a little write a trilogy. So we did Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cash Flow Quadrant, Rich Dad's Guide to Investing. And then 15 books later, um, we wrote 15 books together in the 10 years we were partners. And then we also had an entire line of Rich Dad Advisor books. So it was good, quite, quite the journey. And part of it was understanding every one of our books um, became a bestseller. And they were all, as you started writing your legacy, well, it's really telling a story. Yes. So every one of our books was, um, we had, some of them were more content rich than others, but they all basically took you on a journey. And that's really is the way to get to people. Because when you think about school textbooks, you read it, goes into your eyes and into your brain like this, right? And hopefully you can regurgitate it when it's test time. But if you really want to make a lasting impression on somebody, you want them to read it and have it touch their heart and then their head. And once you engage their heart and then that experiential, so let them start getting emotionally involved in what you're sharing and feel like they're on that journey with you, then you'll make a lifelong impression. Mm -hmm. One thing that kind of earlier on in the, um, you were talking about how your child got into credit card debt. I have a son who's 17 and one that's 16. And they said, mom, you don't understand the issues that kids our age have versus when you were young, we can buy things with one click. We don't have to get in a car, go shop at different stores and figure it out. In a matter of 30 seconds, we can buy something and it's a hurdle to overcome. How would you address that for teenagers today? Absolutely. Well, part of that is just the educational process. Um, it, the, in gosh, 15 years ago, in, when I was in Korea and um, Japan, they, the kids were able to buy things with their cell phones even back then. And it created this huge generational gap of kids getting into debt, which of course was formed by their parents. And we're starting to see much more of that here. And certainly with online shopping, it's something that it, it, it comes down to parental control because um, if they have a credit card and they have the ability to charge it, there has to be some self-discipline involved. And that self-discipline comes from awareness. And that's the problem. A lot of these kids just aren't aware. It looks like they've got free money and they click, 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 and they expect to be bailed out. And that's, that's part of the problem is that we have to mm -hmm. allow our children to fail and suffer the consequences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, having debit cards or teaching them about 
you know, have their own bank account. My, my son had some kind of subscription. He says he didn't sign up for, you know, but, but that three ninety nine that was charged, he had zero money in his account. So now it's 25 plus three ninety nine. Mm -hmm. So it's $25 fee from the bank. And he got a lesson there for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I, I really do recommend once your kids are teenagers to have, give them a, a credit card that, ha that is limited and it's got a cash back so that they mm -hmm. can't really um, exceed a certain limit, but it gives them the opportunity to, to learn and to make a few mistakes and learn mm -hmm. from it. And what happens is if you have your kids on a budget or on an allowance for a month, if they run out of money, don't just keep handing them extra cash because that teaches them that mom's always going to bail me out. Mm -hmm. So if they end up at the 15th of the month and the, there's no money left, but half a month left, then they don't get to go to the movies or they don't get to go out with their friends because they don't have the cash or they need to come up with something they can do around the house that will earn them the extra money to help them get through the extra, rest of the month. And all that is, if they can learn that at an earlier age, it is priceless. Mm -hmm. So what about us adults? that um, you've written a book and you talk about financial IQ. What are some of the biggest disconnects that adults have missing in their financial IQ? Well, I think um, when you, let's just kind of take us back to when we were kids. What did your parents say about money? Money doesn't grow on trees. We can't afford it. We need to pinch our pennies. You know, all of those things are, have something in common. They're all negative. So we grew up when the topic of money negative, money negative, money negative. And so it's almost subconsciously programmed into us of this fear around money. And so we're afraid we're never gonna have enough. And then when we get it or we're successful, we're afraid we're gonna lose it. And so you have to really look at that, where that came from. And if you're doing it to your own kids, instead of saying we can't afford it, change it and say, how can we afford it? One shuts them down as a negative. The other one triggers their entrepreneurial spirit. So as adults, when we're looking at getting ourselves in financial trouble, the biggest problem we have is lack of awareness. People think they put their head in the sand and it'll go away. Most people don't even know where they are financially. And so my dad always taught me a map doesn't do you any good if you don't know where you are and where you want to go. And so same thing with GPS on your phone. Unless you know where you are, where you want to go, it's not going to help you. So you need to understand where you are today. Even if it's bad news, it will be empowering because at least you know where you are mm -hmm. and you can make small adjustments to start making a better impact on your financial situation. And that transcends into companies too. Like if we say, you know, a company needs to know where they are so they can figure out where they're going from there. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Um, sure. I mean, both individually and your company, um, you know, and when we're in school, we get report cards. Well, when you're an adult, your report card is your financial statement because mm -hmm. that's going to tell you how healthy you are. That's going to tell you how credit worthy you are. And same thing with your business. And so you have to know where you are. Your, your financial statements tell a story just like a book with words. Financial mm -hmm. statements tell a story. It's just with numbers. And so it, the more you can harness that knowledge and that power, the more successful you will be. Because at the end of the day, we're all either a master of our money or a slave to it. And if you're choosing not to understand money, then you're choosing to be a slave to it. So mm -hmm. once you learn it and understand how it works, you can start making decisions that support you and become a master of your money. 
I love that. Yeah, we, we just recently got the game. That was about six months ago. We got Cashflow, and we've been playing it, and it's been really fun for me and my kids to play it. But a lot of my colleagues that are in business are playing it and having adult parties and having all their friends come over and play Cashflow. It's, well, but, since and when I started my company, Pay Your Family First, I have a new game that's mm -hmm. won all kinds of awards, specifically for teenagers. It's called Thrive Time for Teens. It's available on Amazon or through web, my website. And it's geared for teenagers with situations that they face in life. And it's all got all kinds of humor in it. And so I recommend that you both check into that as well. Thrive Time for Teens. Great. Well, we can talk about that, um, Pay Your Family First. I know you're really big on that. And you know, tell us about that. Sure. Well, Pay Yourself First was created by um, Napoleon Hill. That concept, a lot of people don't think they don't know him, but they really know his teachings. He created the concept of the mastermind. He basically said, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. He wrote that speech for President Roosevelt. Um, he came up with the law of attraction. He wrote about that in 1919, well before the movie and the book, The Secret. <laughs> so, you know, people think, I don't know who he is. I'm not familiar with Think and Grow Rich, but yet they are. They are familiar with his legacy. And so that's something that uh, um, really people wake up and realize, oh, maybe I should read that because I do, I, I hear that. And a lot of, almost every one of today's um, well-known authors uses and references certain concepts that were created and brought together by Napoleon Hill. And so pay your family first. When I, just, when I made the choice to leave Rich Dad um, and come up with a company name, it was really because my passion is family. Um, whether you are an entrepreneur, given today's definition of it, we are all entrepreneurs because we all have our own business, which is our own personal financial statement mm -hmm. and our family. So you will have friends come into your life and leave. You'll have businesses come into your life and leave. You'll have employment come into your life and then you'll leave that employment. But you always have your family. And so if you truly want happiness in your life, you want to not just generate enough money to live this month, but to help create generational wealth. And that's why I said pay your family first is always be focused on your own personal financial statement and, and not just income, understand the power of assets. My favorite word on earth is assets. I say the sexiest word on earth is assets because that's <laughs> what gives you long-term financial wealth. Explain that a little bit because a lot of people might not understand how does an asset give you long-term wealth and uh, give us like just a little game plan of how that works. Well, an asset is like having an employee. Once you have it and it's there working for you, unless you sell it, it's going to continue to work for you. And so a lot of people, there's something called Henry's, which is high earners, not rich yet. Today, we have a lot of people that are making a lot of money, but they're not keeping it. And so mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep that's going to determine whether you're financially secure or not. And so every time you buy an asset that generates revenue for you and passive income, that is your employee. That's generating money that you're not necessarily having to get out of bed in the morning for. And so the more, when, you are, when you're working for money and you're being paid based on a, a commission or hour, it's based on you getting out of bed and doing something. If you have an asset, like maybe it's a, a, a rental property, or maybe you own a business that you're not actually operating, somebody else is operating, that's an asset. And that asset gives you infinite opportunity for wealth because it's not limited to you and your time. And so people that are wealthy, all right, um, typically have free time because their assets are generating the revenue. 
And that's why a lot of people focus on their salaries or their income. Let's focus on your wealth. And the wealth is what, what is your net worth? What are the assets that you have that are generating passive income? Is that passive income? The definition of financial freedom is when your passive income exceeds your expenses. That means you don't have to, you no longer have to work. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, you know, um, and that's what I tell my kids too. I always joke. I said, don't let your money be lazy. Send your money out to work for you. You know, it's like an employee. You don't want your employee just sitting there doing nothing. Your money has to go get a job and, and make it go work. Right. You're really active with, I love that you had uh, empowering a billion women by 2020. Um, so tell us, there's a lot of business owners. Jen and I are, are single moms that own a business and there are a lot of resources out there for single, um, for women business owners, but most of us don't know what those are or how to take advantage of whether it's in the tax code or whether it's, um, different resources that the government has or how we should set our business up properly because we're women owned. Can you share some of those with us? Oh, absolutely. And I think, um, I would highlight the, my most recent book with the Napoleon Hill Foundation, which is Think and Grow Rich for Women, where I address many of those issues because um, women are, the steps of success are the same for men and women, but we approach them very differently. And mm -hmm. Think and Grow Rich, the original book was written and released back in the 30s by Napoleon Hill when no women were in business. That's and right. so I wanted to take those same concepts, which are as true today as they were back then, but look at them through the eyes of successful women. And the thing, I have over 300 women that I highlight in Thinking Courage for Women. And so when you're reading through the stories, one you might read one story and go that I don't relate to her at all, but the next one may hit you right between the eyes. And so that's the power of the book and the understanding that um, it's women helping women. And that's what it's all about. There are a lot of organizations out there supporting women. I have an entire program called Essential Components of a Successful Business. You can find out more information about it through SharonLector.com. But I also support individual women through mentoring in their businesses because I want them to succeed. So I also have Think and Grow Rich for Women, an online course that goes deeper than the book and where we have the opportunity to have conversations and have group calls to talk about issues that women are having in their businesses. So you have the ability to do that very inexpensively and then you have the ability to do one-on-one -on -one mentoring as well. So what are some of the top things from the book that you can share with us that can help our audience today? Well, a lot of, one of the biggest issues is um, a lack of self-confidence. And I think that is really the number one issue for women business owners. And what happens is many of us become very successful in our careers. And so we are in a peer situation. We're one of several at a particular level. And we have that ability at having peer support. Well, becoming an entrepreneur is a very lonely thing because you're at the top. Even if you have a bunch of employees, they're looking to you for all the answers. So it's very important to have mentors. So mm -hmm. very important to have peers that will be there to support you. I'm a member on the National Board of Women Presidents Organization. And it's a, I've been part, it's been, I think it's, we're in our 21st year and I've been involved since then. And I'm on the national board. And it's a group of women that get together every month that have um, businesses in different industries, but we're there to support each other. So when one woman has a problem, Two or three of us are probably have already had that problem and we can support her by understanding what we did that was right and what we did that didn't work even more important so that uh, we have that peer you know the good old girls network as opposed to good old boys network but it's really important because it helps support and when i share in the book i talk about the, that lack of self-confidence and it's 
it's natural. Many of us have that. Um, and we're there to support everybody else. We put ourselves last. And so as we're building our self-confidence, surround yourself with girlfriends or other people who are your champions, that they keep you going, they keep promoting you while you're building your own self-confidence. And that's a very important issue. And then I've added one additional chapter that wasn't in the original book, and that's called um, one, one Big Life because I really wanted to debunk this work-life balance. There is no balance in our life. We have multiple facets in our life. It's not just work and life, it's our financial life, it's our health, our um, family, our spiritual life. All of those things come together to build who we are. Mm -hmm. And it's every one of those components can get out of balance with everything else. It's focusing on what you want to accomplish in all of those aspects. And if one day you realize you didn't spend enough time with your kids, don't spend time today worrying about it. Just make a different decision today and have one big life instead of worrying and causing yourself fret and harm over what happened yesterday. I love that. And I think a lot of times as women, we do get caught up in the we need to have balance or we need to have the same amount of time here as we have over here, but it's not going to be like that. It's, it's going to be all over the place because we're women. We have so many different hats. So yeah, life can be messy, but that's part of what creates opportunity. Yeah. That's so true. So tell us as um, business owners of small business trying to grow, what are some of the key components to get to that next level? Well, at the end of the day, um, in order for your business to be successful, sustainable, scalable, and saleable, you need mm -hmm. to have business systems, you need to have the foundation. And so, so many small business owners are so in love with their product or their service mm -hmm. that that's all they focus on. And they don't think about building the structure of their business so that it can actually scale. So you really wanna make sure you have the right legal foundation, you wanna make sure you have the right funding, whether it be through yourself or other people's money and time. Um, understanding having the right business systems, the communication, the materials, building the funnels that are sustainable and that can work when you're sleeping. Um, all of those aspects of building a business are so important. And many people are great at communicating what they do, their product, their service is great, but it's like a three-legged stool. If you don't have the platform for your business um, that you're gonna fall over, it's not gonna be successful. So you really need to focus on building the structure and the foundation of your business so that you have the opportunity to build a true business, a true asset. Otherwise, you're gonna own a job, not a business. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so true. Yeah, and you had mentioned about funding. Do you think every business has to um, get, at some point, get capital to help it grow or do you think it can grow innately and slowly by, um, just the revenue that it's generating, if it's not generating, you know, huge amounts of money, or do you think eventually you're going to need to put more capital in somewhere along the line? It totally depends on the business. Um, you know, with Rich Dad, we put, I think, $1,500 in to do our first print run, and it's the business self-funded, and we were well over $40 million a year. So th this is, it, it depends on your business. And when I say capital, capital doesn't need to be cash. When I say other people's money, time, and resources, I am a huge proponent, and every global brand I've built has been built through licensing. You know, at the tide of our success, um, Richetta, we never had more than 17 employees, but we had 5,000 people working for us around the globe. So I'm a huge proponent and believer in licensing. You know, we were selling 400 million retail, our, you know, our, but our, our 
internal profit was based on licensing revenues. And so it's interesting when you think about building your business, you want to make sure that you think about how can you leverage. And in today's environment, you want to leverage, you want speed to market is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. So do you want to set up a new facility um, in another country where you have to have put in all the cash and the time and the energy and training? Or do you want to find somebody who's successful in what you want to do there and let them stream your product line through theirs as another revenue source for them and, and much quicker to market, speed to market for you? So licensing is really um, the way to grow your business in the future. So just go a little deeper into licensing. So licensing, if you have a product, you have an XYZ product, and then someone else has a, a service that's complementary to that, that, that your product would add into that, and then you, yeah. um, then you sell them the rights to let them sell your product through their brand? Licensing can be based on ge geography. It can be based on channel. So for instance, my husband and I own a company that has an alternative fuel. And the company um, was established for trucks. Well, we've also now licensed it for government vehicles. We've now licensed it for buses because those are, those are verticals that we weren't working in. The, the application of the technology is there. And so you can do it by industry, by vertical, by geography. Your book that you just held up, all right? Um, that book could be put very, very popular in Asia. And so instead of you trying to find somebody to do it, you license a company in Asia that they take it, they print it, they market it, they sell it, and they send you a royalty for doing it. That's a way for you to license what you've written in an area that you don't really, you know, I don't know if you spend any time in Asia, I'm assuming you don't, but, you know, that, and then it gives you the opportunity to establish a following there so that you can visit Asia and do speaking. Mm -hmm. So licensing can be used in so many different arenas, but it helps you um, leverage your knowledge. Mm -hmm. So as an example, um, Fortune 500 companies 30 years ago were 80% bricks and mortar, 20% intangible assets. Today that's flipped. And over 80% of the Fortune 500 company valuations today are intangible assets and 20% are bricks and mortar. And so the wave of the future and the way that the playing field has leveled in today's market, why, how we can all compete with these large companies is that it's here, the intangible mm -hmm. assets. So when you create something, look and find other organizations that will be able to speed your delivery by offering it to their groups. You know, uh, affiliate marketing in essence is a type of licensing. All right. You're getting people to sign on, to help spread your word through selling your product. Interesting. That's a whole different concept, you know, of understanding, even like taking our book, like I would have never thought of that. And I saw all, when I, when I scrolled through your author page and saw all those books in, uh, in, I don't know if it was Mandarin or what it was, I was like, oh my gosh, it's all been transcribed and put in there. I thought that was just amazing. Yeah, so, we're, we're, um, well, I've written 22 books now, pretty soon to be 25. Um, and we're, I, we're, I'm in well over 100 countries, probably 110 countries and over 50 languages. And, and mostly through licensing? or did you All just... of them through licensing, yeah. Wow. Now, um, the power of the book, you're, you know the power of a book. And being publishers, we are proponents of using a book for your business. Um, tell us, do you think that it's, it, that's useful for a business? Well, it's almost, it's almost imperative today. You know, I talk about a book as your new business card. 
Um, every one of us is an expert. Nobody else has walked in our shoes. Nobody else has had our successes or our failures and learning opportunities. And so I, I, you know, I tell every audience, you are all experts. Now, how do you become to go from being an expert to an authority? To becoming an authority in your industry and one very strong way to do that is to write a book and it may be as easy as um, you know what are the top five questions people ask you in your business what are the you know like a real estate agent what are the top five things you tell people who want to sell their house what are the top five things you tell people who are looking for a house and and document it write it and and do an ebook mm -hmm. do a print on demand but just by the fact that you have a printed book, a book that you become an author, gives you the ability to become an authority, not just an expert. You know, we get asked the question all the time, what's the ROI on my book? Am I going to sell a million books? And um, we usually tell people, no, you're not going to sell thousands of books in general. You're going to use the book as a lead generator to get business. Um, how do you find that? And what do you tell uh, authors and business owners about that for the book? Um, very few people should expect to really make a fortune from writing a book. That is um, not the intent, not the purpose of a book, and certainly in the world of publishing today. You want a, a book to help you establish your authority. It helps you get your message out there. Um, it gives you something that allows you to leverage your message because when you get the book out there and people find it, um, they, they can create speaking opportunities. There is definitely an ROI. But you have to work hard. You have, you know, people think they're going to write a book and it's going to sell itself. Or they think their publisher is responsible for selling it. As an author, you are the one responsible for selling your book. And so don't rely on any publisher just to, you know, they may have marketing plans and you want to hold their feet to the fire to make sure they do that. But, you know, nobody's more engaged and more desire, more excited about having a successful book than you are. And so therefore it inherently is your responsibility to market and to continue marketing. Um, Rich Dad Poor Dad did not stay on the New York Times bestseller list for seven years because we sat back and um, you know, had cocktails. We worked it every day. And it's something that as authors, it's our primary responsibility to be able to leverage our message so that we can reach more people with, with the legacy, you know, the word that you use on your book, creating your legacy. Um, it's harder. It's hard to create a legacy when it's one-on-one -on -one communication. Well, yeah. and we tell people, well, what if you get, you know, two clients, one client just by having your book? So you're using it to get those clients, and what's the value of that client to your business um, more than pays for the book, and it just keeps on giving because the book is always there, and you get advertising through Amazon. I loved when I pulled up your Amazon author page. You have everything on there. It's totally tripped out. I can find everything about Sharon on there and everything that she sells and everything she does, and there's videos. I mean, you can't, get, and, and they, they find you in the search engine because of it. So it's a whole other sales tool just by having the Amazon page and having them work for you as well. Right. And in your bio, you have your, all your links to social media. It's just awesome. Love it. Well, thank you. Um, I have a good team. I have a very good team. So I'll, I say there's nothing more important than having a good team. But also I would, you know, to what you just said, how many of you have gone to events and you collect a bunch of business cards and you come home and you put them in a drawer, you put them in a baggie. I'll get to that later. Um, you know, I get tons of business cards, but when people give me a book, it goes on my shelf. And so it's always, it's not, it stays out in the open and I can see it. So 
um, think about what, what do you want to leave someone? You want to leave them with a card that's stuck in the middle of 50 other cards, or do you want to give them something that is actually um, an asset? Is that your book is an asset mm -hmm. that you want them to read it and other people you know, may read it from them. You know, we talk about magazine, getting an article in a magazine. It, the impressions of a magazine is not one person. Typically, it's 10 to 20 people will see a magazine. And so the same thing with the book. You want people, our success with Rich Dad was not because of us. It was because of people reading it and telling others about it, sharing the book, giving the book. And that's the, that's the best case scenario that you want. They might be able to share a $15 book with friends. They not, can't necessarily get them on the phone with you. And so that's the importance. If you have a strong message and you want to share your message, put it in book form so people can share it for you. That viral component. When we first released Rich Dad, Poor Dad, there, there was no internet. So we were hu a huge viral success came from people talking to other people. Yeah. Well, one thing I love about you writing that book as well is you wrote it to promote the game. You didn't know it was going to be this huge success, but but it, but it was a huge success because you got out there, you went to different cities, you spoke about it, you had the, the conferences and you told the people about it and helped people with all the issues they were dealing with. So and, I just, we create, and we created the systems. Right. So then we, you know, we didn't own shelf space because we were um, printing the books ourselves. We didn't own shelf space in the bookstores. So I had to go and find how people could find us because we were on radio stations all over the world. Well, people, you know, how could they find the book? And so I made sure every bookstore in America had, they had a, a way of getting, they, back then they got CDs every month mm -hmm. with, that had lists of books. And so I made sure we were on that. And so we, for years, I'd get, get up in the morning and I'd have faxed orders, one book to go to Seattle, one book to Florida, um, because we'd been on the radio and somebody would come into the store, called the store wanting to look for the book and they, they look it up and they order it from us. And so creating those systems so that people could find us was very much a part of the success. And, and think about it. You said, you know, it's viral that people were sharing the book. Um, how many times have you shared a business card? Mm -hmm. I've never said, hey, take this guy's business card. But I may say, hey, take this guy's book. It was fabulous. Mm -hmm. And it starts. So it's a total different thing than, than the business card. And you have, um, we briefed on it a little earlier, you have special coaching sessions. You have people that they can opt into group things. Tell us a little bit about that if they want to get more of Sharon and take their business to the next level. Well, absolutely. Um, unlike a lot of people, I'm at the more the twilight of my career. So everything we do is tailor-made for individuals when we do mentoring. We have a master mentors program where I step into your business. I don't have you just take a program with me. And we really support people in opening those doors of opportunity. And that's a very limited number of people that we take each year. And that's the master mentors program. Then we also have um, the, the groups that we take through this essential components of a successful business, which is in, in essence what we do with our master mentor clients, but it is more systematized and it's an online program, um, self-driven, but we have monthly webinars where you can do Q&A with my husband and I, and then we also have um, a 
private Facebook page where you have basically 24-7 access to work with other people that are in the program and the ability to ask us questions. So we participate that way as well because we wanted, we didn't want to lose touch with individuals, but we wanted to make it much more affordable. And then the Think and Grow Rich for Women um, book salon also goes more in depth and we have opportunities to work with women that way. And then we tailor, you know, I will have people that might need to just have a few months of my time. And so we, we work with people based on what their needs are to create that. Anything you need, you can email us as info at SharonLector.com or go to the website to see the programs that we offer. Great. We'll put that link up at the bottom. We're so grateful that you joined us today and we're on our podcast. Well, I'm honored to be with you and appreciate the opportunity. Terrific. So all of you, please make sure that you share this, that you subscribe to it. Uh, join us again. We'd love to uh, hear from you, leave comments. Sharon would love to answer your comments if you um, do something on there. And I'm going to hold up my book that she touted one more time. And hopefully we're going to have this do a licensing deal ourselves, right? And put it in Asia. So again, Wall Street Journal talked about this. The Today Show talked about this. So uh, buy our book. It's on Amazon. You can get it today. And if you'd like to write a book and have it published, please contact us at EliteOnlinePublishing.com. We have custom publishing packages for you, and we can make you a number one bestseller. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks, Sharon. For more information about us, go to EliteOnlinePublishing.com. To get your free book, The Accomplishment and Success Story Starter, simply text your name and email to 832-572-5285. That's 832-572-5285. We'd also like to thank Audible for supporting Elite Expert Insider. To get your free 30-day trial, please go to bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. That's bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. And get your free 30-day trial to show your support. Thank you, Audible.